Nuclear proliferation. Global pandemic. Famine. Environmental genocide. War. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham, and L. Bradley Sheaf. The Man in the Mirror, the late, great Michael Jackson. Yep, but I tell you what, you want to talk about having a good hot run, old Michael had a good hot run. You know what, though? Good guy. Dated Brooke Shields. Oh, I didn't know that. Madonna, took Madonna to the Oscars. Yes. Nice. That happened. Nice. Man in the Mirror is really, it's a song about reflecting. Yeah, literally. On who we are, looking at the man in the mirror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wanting him to change his ways. Yeah. Of course, the man in the mirror is not going to change his ways until the man, you know, looking in the mirror does. That's sort of the nature of mirrors. Uh, but anyway, welcome to IP Frequently, the number one business podcast uh, in the world, in America. We're very excited uh, to have you all here tonight. Uh, we appreciate everyone liking the podcast, listening to the podcast, and telling all of your friends and your frenemies about the podcast. And uh, remember to continue to rate, continue to review. We have some exciting news uh, that uh, will be coming up in the coming weeks uh, about some high level negotiations. But Brad, I really don't want to give it away at this point. No, I think we can. I think we just tease it and then we see how it plays out. So that's well done. Yeah. And Brad, you're on the road this week. You've made the trek to the bluegrass state. That can only mean one thing and one thing only that the horses are running today. They are. That's and correct. The presidential poll position is going to finally be decided. I wanted to be physically present for it. I didn't want any sort of delay in the broadcast to color your and my call of the winner. I want to be right there, standing on the finish line, prepared to make the announcement. Well, in any event, uh, we have that coming up here tonight. But first, we've got the award-winning feature, the newsreel, where we give you our snap reaction to what's going on in America, in the world, and really in the galaxy. I mean, in recent weeks, we've been probing Venus, Uranus, all over the globe uh, and beyond. Right, Brad? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you want to be careful when you're probing Uranus. Uh, there's some hazards there that uh, you know folks not familiar with the solar system may not recognize. But yeah, we've been doing it all. So first, uh, under Newsreel, Brad, the big verdict is in. The Chauvin verdict, guilty on all three counts. 
Um, I think first I could say, speaking for both of us, that, uh, you know, I look about speaking for me, but I think speaking for you as well, that it was a pretty well-earned guilty verdict considering the guy had his knee on the other guy's throat for about 10 minutes and, and pretty much killed him. Uh, but uh, the good news is there weren't any more riots. You know, we consider ourselves to be a civilized culture, right? We, we, we subscribe to the rule of law. And so certainly you don't ever want to be in a position where you say you would sacrifice anyone to avoid riots, right? I mean, you want there to be justice based on at least my limited knowledge of the case and what I know of it. I think justice did prevail there. And I certainly hope that people can just calm the F down and let's get back to the business of being a unified nation of Americans, as opposed to, you know, looking at each other askance and making immediate judgments about each other based on skin color, which now I think happens all the time, which, you know, is a very unfortunate outcome of this. And I, I hope we can get back to, you know, not making snap judgments about each other from 30 feet away, just based on what someone looks like. Now, on the other side of this, there are members of Congress who are going out and telling people to riot. There are, um, you know, pro athletes like your, uh, your, your favorite LeBron James posting a picture of that Columbus, Ohio police officer who shot the girl. Who saved a life. I mean, let, you know, before. Yeah, saved, I mean, before saved, we, saved a life. Yeah. I mean, before we get too crazy, and obviously we already have, right? I mean, we just lost it. If, if law enforcement employs deadly force, then they're wrong. LeBron yeah. James can suck it. Uh, next, Brad, UFOs are back in the news. Uh, the big headline ripped from the uh, latest uh, New York um, Times or Vice News or one of the two. Uh, commercial airline pilots continue to report UFO sightings over the lovely uh, country of Canada. Uh, right now, 37 reports of UFOs this year alone from Air Canada, WestJet, Porter Airlines, and Air Canada, Brad. Mm. The most recent uh, report came from an Air Canada Express flight from Montreal to Toronto, where it found that there was a flying object that was unidentified, round in shape, flying at an incredibly fast speed, uh, moving about 8,000 feet above Lake Ontario. Brad, what do you think? Are there, are there aliens out there? What can you tell us from your time in the, uh, in the service? That particular report I'm not overly concerned about, because if you had to fly from Montreal... Or you say to Toronto, right? Correct. Wouldn't you be drunk? I would. I mean, that would have to be. Yeah. I mean, you started in Montreal. That ain't great. You're going to wind up in Toronto. That ain't great. So, you know, you're drinking, right? So that particular report doesn't trouble me. But, you know, it's funny you would bring this up because before we, we jumped into the more formal portion of the podcast, our, our talented producer, Jared, and I were discussing this. I don't really get... So again, maybe my logic is flawed, but I think we're reasonably confident that there's not intelligent life capable of space travel in our solar system, right? I think we're, I think we're reasonably confident of that. So if these craft come from another, you know, are alien, right? They don't come from earth, then they have to have come from a star, right? So you're talking about a, a, culture, a race, a set of beings that are capable of interstellar travel, right? So that's, that's a, you know, that's not easy to do. That's a technology step up, certainly from where we are. We're not, we're not going from one star to another. 
Oh, Brad, you're ignoring the Venera project, but we'll get to that. Well, okay. I mean, I do. I want to get to the Venera project, but if you have the technology to get here from another star, what would be the point of showing yourself to the guys flying from Montreal to Toronto? And that's it. Right. I mean, obviously if you have that technology, you're capable of not being seen if you don't want to be. And if you wanted to be seen, why not just land in the damn, you know, Washington mall and say, Hey, we're here. We either like you or we don't like you. We're here to harvest your organs. We're here to help you cure cancer, whatever the hell you're here to do. Why would you not do that? Why would you flit about so that people occasionally catch a glimpse of you, but not do otherwise, right? That just seems pointless. If you're capable of interstellar travel and you've come to this planet on purpose, you've either come here to research it, in which case one would think you would want to remain hidden, or you've come to make contact for you know, whatever purpose, potentially to harvest all of our organs or turn us into zombies or whatever the hell you want to do. But if you can get here from another star, you're going to do that, right? We're not preventing that. So I just don't get the idea that, you know, either we got space aliens that are flitting about kind of showing their ass, but not really. And if they're terrestrial technology, right? If it's us, the United, the, you know, in the United States, if it's the Chinese, if it's the Russians, again, what's the benefit of sort of demonstrating your technological advancements, but not leveraging them. Could it be that the Canadians are just better than us? Well, maybe they are. I mean, if they are, God bless them. But wouldn't you think you would just come out and go, hey, look, I I got something that can fly so fast it freaks pilots out. And, you know, that makes me better than you. Uh, Okay. Um, You hear that music in the background where we are now transitioning from outer space over Canada to deeper into the galaxy. Uh, The Venera Chronicles are upon us. They continue up to, for those of you playing the home game, get out your game board. We are now up to Venera 3. Very exciting project by the Soviets. As you recall, the Soviets created the Venera project to explore and ultimately colonize the planet Venus. And some of the um, Venera missions were more successful than, than others. Some of them are commemorated on a Soviet postage stamp, Brad. I didn't even know the Soviets had postage stamps. That's fantastic. I mean, you would think in a socialist country, the mail would just, you know, be delivered. Yeah, I think some of it was. Yeah. But uh, no, that's fantastic. I mean, if you're going to make a postage stamp, I applaud making one about the Venera project. Well, in any event, Brad, the mission of Venera 3 uh, won't be a surprise to you. It was to land on the uh, surface of the planet Venus. Ah, Venus. Nice. So this. How'd that go? Well, let me, let me tell you, the body of the spacecraft contained a radio communication system, mm-hmm. scientific instruments, hmm. um, electrical power sources, and medallions bearing the coat of arms of the Soviet Union. Ah, well, who wouldn't want that? The collector's items. Yeah. The Venetians appreciated that. Yeah, you put that on eBay and you're going you're gonna to make yourself a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, the unfortunately, though, this was um, uh, there, there were a bunch of problems surrounding the uh, Venera really? 3 project. It's, oh. Yeah. Now, now, listen, first, and this may be um, this may be something uh, akin to whistling past the graveyard. But the probe's initial trajectory missed Venus by about uh, 65,000 uh, kilometers. 
missed it by that much. By that much. But yeah. it, that was discovered. Then a course correction maneuver was carried on on December 26th, uh, 1965, which, by the way, Brad, that's Boxing Day in Great Britain. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, they made the course correction, and that brought the probe on a collision course with the planet Venus. Collision being the key word there, I assume. Yeah, and as you can expect, uh, contact with the probe was uh, lost shortly thereafter. Shortly after it smashed into the surface of Venus. There was a, there's a conspiracy theory here uh, where in 2000, uh, a report came out uh, based on Soviet documents that were released after the uh, Cold War ended that said that uh, actually the Soviets lost control of the, uh, and communication with Venera 3, three months earlier than reported. um, And people surmised that it may never have smashed into the uh, planet Venus. This it just kept on cooking until it wound up in the sun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, again, the net result is the same. Uh, next, Brad, we have traffic and weather together on the sevens. Very important here in America to monitor traffic on your radio, but we're not going to do that right now. Uh, because we want to have to thank everyone for listening. This is IP Frequently, the number one business podcast uh, in the galaxy. If we could devise a device to take IP Frequently to Venus and survive and share it with the inhabitants of the planet, we would, but we can't. We're no better than the Russians, so we're not going to even try. But we are brought to you by IPedia, a different type of analytics platform for patents um, and pretty much any type of data you want to run through it. Yeah, it'll, it'll take it. It's not shy. Yeah, and I can hear the hoof prints. I can hear the horses whinnying in the background, Brad. We've only got a couple Very more exciting. things to get through before we get there. But first, we have barred or banned today, Brad. The Tony, um, uh, Stevie and Tony award-winning um, segment. This week on uh, barred or uh, banned, Brad, we have uh, social media posts. Oh. Well, I'm the wrong guy to ask this, right? I mean, maybe we should get Jared to weigh in here. Maybe you should just. Well, let me set it up. Let me set it up for you. All right. Because it's not just social media posts, but the uh, your old friend and I believe employer of the U.S. Postal Service has been quietly running a program uh, called uh, ICOP, um, Internet Covert Operations Program. It's a highly service. The Postal Service. Wow. The Postal okay. Service. Okay. Um, and I guess there's, there's a law enforcement arm of the Postal Service that is running a surveillance program called ICOP. Yeah, and it involves analysts at the post office okay. going through American social media sites uh-huh. to look for inflammatory postings. And when they find them, they share them with other governmental agencies. So what it what it seems to me the first thing we need to figure out here is what is the definition of inflammatory? Who gets to decide that? The post office. The, well, of course. I mean, who better? Who is better equipped in this country to do investigations of this nature than the folks who can't seem to get your Christmas cards where they're supposed to go on any given year? This is one to watch. We're going to monitor it. Uh, and uh, we'll continue to report on it. But at this point, uh, I must say that I'm troubled. Yeah. You and the rest of America, my friend. 
Yeah. So uh, we are going to take a uh, uh, pass, unfortunately, this week on Time Machine because we just don't have time, no pun intended, to send Brad back in time um, in order of importance first. Walter Mondale, RIP, former vice president, president presidential wannabe in 1984, lost a historic landslide to Ronald Reagan and then uh, ran for the Minnesota Senate when Paul Wellstone died and actually got rejected by the voters of Minnesota, which is just astounding yeah. that happened a few years ago. Yeah. But Brad, what's your favorite memory of old Fritz? Oh, buddy, you know this right right off the bat. The, the, the hands down, it's when Reagan schooled him in the debate. Just hilarious. I mean, again, I, I think it's only fair to let you you know, inform any of our listeners who might not be familiar with this about that. You're, you're much better storyteller about that than I am, but that I remember that as a young man and, uh, it was hilarious. And Reagan, I mean, he won himself, if he hadn't already he won himself the presidency in that moment. No, that was great. That was the first debate. He looked kind of tired and he was fidgety and he looked old. Reagan did. And everyone said Mondale won the first debate. So there was one more debate, the second debate. It was about a week and a half before the election. And Reagan had won the eighty four, the 1980 race against Carter with one debate uh, a few days before the election. He did, he did really well. And so the big question coming out of that first debate was, could Reagan, uh, was he up to the job? Was he too old? Could he actually be president for four more years? And the first question came came uh, his way and it was basically about his age and Reagan looked at the as all these great Hollywood actors do they know about cadence they know about how to how to deliver a line he said uh, something to the effect of uh, I will not uh, for political purposes exploit my opponent's youth and inexperience and then he took a breath took a sip of water everyone laughed including the questioner including mondale and everyone knew at that point the election was over and that is i believe the biggest landslide we've seen in this country um in the last 50 years i mean it was just a historic uh, oh, yeah easily right the only state that mondale won and, and again this is something you would know better than i but the only state that mondale won was his home state of minnesota right and he damn near lost that yeah, I think he I think he won the, the District of Columbia in Minnesota. Oh, okay, yeah. That was it. Okay. Yeah. But that's well, although District of Columbia may become a state now, Brad, but we're not gonna we can't yeah. get there this week. We had to talk about UFOs and Venera three. So we're not yes. getting there. Right. Second, Tempest Storm, Brad, Tempest Storm. Oh, the uh, burlesque performer, right? The great burlesque performer yes. dies at ninety three. Oh, I didn't know that. Ninety-three, good for 93. her. She was dancing burlesque up to two thousand sixteen. <laughs> She was a sure. American treasure, yeah. um, a girlfriend of Elvis, yeah, and dated JFK, JFK in 1959. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, good for her. Well, you know what? That is a good hot. Obviously, anybody who tells you that being a burlesque performer isn't good for you, let's see if you live to be 93. This week in innovation, real quick, Brad, we'll blow through some of the things that happened this time in the past. Mm. Uh, 1977, the Apple IIc was introduced. I believe you still work on that machine. Uh, I have 19- one in front of me right now. I'm doing the podcast on it. That's it. Just keep typing away. Floppy yeah. disk, floppy yep. disk, type, floppy disk, type. Yep. Uh, 1976, Barbara Walters was named the first female netric, uh, net- network news anchor. And good for her. Yeah. Fine job. Big, out of big, her. Uh, big um, important uh, event in uh, innovation. Um, in 1959, the St. Lawrence Seaway linking 
the Atlantic Ocean to the Great Lakes opened up and it was promptly blocked by a, um, I believe it was a Saudi Arabia, Arabian tanker. Well, these things happen. I mean, they still happen in this day and age. Giant tankers blocking stuff all over the place. Yeah, but they, this, so. is a, this is an important waterway. It connects the Great Lakes in Canada, where the UFOs are, to the Atlantic. Yeah, I mean, and frankly, the UFOs would have never been able to get to Canada without the St. Lawrence Seaway, so I'm sure they appreciate that degree of innovation. Yeah, and we're not even talking about the aliens under the sea. That's a whole nother kettle of fish. Uh, and then finally, most important technology and innovation, 1833, the first patent was uh, granted uh, for a soda fountain. That's Tempest Storm like that a lot. So did uh, Mondale and yeah. Prince Philip. Yeah, all of them. Everybody. Who doesn't? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. the answer is no one. Certainly, if you're American, you love a, soda, a good soda fountain. I wish I had one here. And as I'm ankle deep in bluegrass, I can't even get a sip of water. I'm, just, I'm at the finish line. I'm focused. So we probably have to get to it. Pole position, presidential style, the finals. People have been waiting about this. They've been writing on social media. We've uh, received tweets. Uh, we've received telegrams. There have been letters that haven't been delivered, I'm sure, but uh, I'm sure they're out there somewhere being returned to their owner. We've heard from the JFK guy, the My History guy. Everyone is waiting on this. Uh, it's time for the final running of the uh, 2021 presidential poll position. Let's do it. I'm fired up. All right, F it, let's go. So we've got a horse with no name at the top of the bracket, William Henry Harrison. Everyone knows the story there, has dominated the early rounds, has not been, has not really had to breathe hard no. uh, through any of these, uh, these uh, initial flights. Um, he's a death horse. He was uh, rode, uh, ridden by William Henry Harrison to his inaugural, where he promptly died 31 days later. He scared the bejesus out of John Quincy Adams at the inaugural, where he basically had a, 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 a fright, a fear run down him when he saw that horse. He yeah. scared people. He could run. He could gallop. Um, and he, his president was dead in a matter of a month after he... Yeah, you um, just don't. You don't get on this horse lightly. My friend, I don't think you get on the horse. I wouldn't. I'm for sure. I wouldn't. But, you know, no one should without due consideration. How does he look today? Does he look like he's ready to run? He does. I mean, they're they're at the a distance from me at this point. I, I'm obviously at the finish line. I can't you know run as fast as the horses. So I have to be here to start. But from what I can see, uh, you know, whereas correct. Caracticus, correct cactus is, you know, sort of a little bit nervous, a little bit antsy in the gates, kind of, you know, stepping side to side. The jockey's trying to calm him down. The horse with no name is standing stock still. So Caracatus, uh, Thomas Jefferson's horse, he was foiled on May 7th. 1775, as you know, the offspring of Allie Crocker and Young Fearnot. Mm. Young Fearnot, of course, was owned by William Dandy Dandridge, who I believe was also on the Rockford Files. Um, and uh, he bucked uh, Jefferson, not threw him off the horse, actually broke his arm. Didn't kill him, though, Brad. Didn't kill him. Uh, yeah. And then he was the horse that Jefferson fled Richmond uh, on when the uh, British were coming. Yeah, I have a tough time envisioning any scenario, Brad, where that horse with no name doesn't get that apple. Yeah, near as I can tell, he's again, he's he's not he's not moving a muscle. He's obviously not the least bit concerned. 
his eyes do sort of wander in the direction of the apple. And, you know, I'm in a tough spot here, buddy, because if he doesn't win, how the hell am I going to get the apple past that horse to the winner? I don't think that I'm going to have to throw it. I'm not going to walk past just, the horse. Probably I just run. If he doesn't win, I just run the other direction. Yeah, that might be the way to go. So I guess here we are. We're going to run the race. We're going to see what happens. Um, I, I think I've been a uh, pretty consistent all along. I think this um, death horse, uh, the William Henry Harrison horse with no name is the equivalent of UCLA in the 1970s in the NCAA tournament. The horse is unbeatable. The horse has stamina. It has strength. It is the meanest horse John Quincy Adams ever saw. And he used to work at a petting zoo, mind you, and in the yeah. Congress. Um, yeah, Very so I, I just sets of circumstances. There. I don't I don't see that horse losing. What do you what do you, we should probably just go all the way around the horn, Brad, at talk to you and then have our um, erstwhile producer, Jared, weigh in. Let me get Jared up. Let me get my megaphone out here. Jared's sound asleep. He was in an Apple store for hours today uh, trying to get yet another case for his, his phone. Let me wake him up. Hold on just a second here. Jared! Jared! Yeah, you did. Yeah, that's it. Sit down up. Rub your eyes. There we go. Yeah, David's got a question for you. Uh, just a second, I have to talk to these guys. Hey guys, I will have to say the horse with no name. I think everyone would be intimidated. The horse, the jockey, the audience, everyone. So, I, I Jared, say, what do the people at the Apple Store think? You uh, talk for a minute on the pod, do they mind? Or? I'll, ask, I'll, I'll go ask a genius. Listen, from my position, I'm telling you, I, I mean, I wish our studio audience could see it here live. I should have brought, you know, some form of camera. Uh, you know, maybe even just like an Instamatic would have been Kevlar fine. Or but, shield or something. Yeah, they, they, I, but I'm telling you that I, you know, absent the horse with no name being hit by a meteorite halfway through the race, I just don't see any other. Or a option. Soviet satellite. Well, that's more likely. Well, I, you know, I'm ready, buddy. Whenever you're ready to uh, launch the uh, launch the horses. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead. We'll we'll. we'll run the race and then brad will give us the results from the uh, uh horse facility in the bluegrass state It, I, it, I, it, it wasn't even close. I, I don't fault Kirstus Caracatus. I don't fault him. I think he made a valiant effort. He was late out of the gates. Uh, I don't blame him for that either. You don't want to be anywhere near the flying hooves of the horse with no name. I, I, I actually believe the horse with no name may have sharpened his horseshoes, uh, much like Ty Cobb with his spikes. And so I don't blame Kasnickitis. The Georgia Peach. The Georgia Peach. I don't blame Kasnickitis for, for, you know, hesitating in the gates. Uh, but my friend, it wasn't, uh, it was never close. It was never close. We should do that again. We're going to have to do it again next year. Maybe we'll come up with something else, but I'll tell you what, I am uh, appreciating the, uh, the, the bravery of John Quincy Adams for even staying at that inauguration. That horse is vicious. It's a killer. That's it. That's it. Well, Brad, uh, get home safe. Um, I'm, I want to say that I wish I were there with you, but I'm scared of horses, so I can't, uh, I can't make it, but I'm excited for next time. 
Yeah, well, we'll do it again next year. Well, I'm sure we'll have other contests and falderall in the future before we uh, get back to the annual running of the presidential horses. Uh, but this was a good one. I think the outcome was largely predictable. We appreciate all of our listeners, and we'll see you here again next week on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.